0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Ruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is sitting across from me smiling. Rebecca, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, I'm good, thanks Matt.
0: Great to have you. And, as always, the Executive Director here at Citizen Action, Robert Craig, welcome Robert. Good day, everyone. I'm just going to warn our our listeners, Robert is in a punchy mood. I think we're going to have lots of sarcasm and fun today out of Robert. And we may need it, because as usual, we have a list of... We
2: have an (laughs) over-under an impeachment? No, no, just
0: kidding. (laughs) We are started. We're going to spend some time talking about both some state issues, but also uh, a lot of stuff happening with the Trump administration and immigration that we are definitely going to get to later in the show. But... Uh, we are a state program and we want to talk about Weedec because uh, WEDEC and Foxconn continues to be in the news significantly uh, and I would like to get the panel's thoughts on a few things that happened this week. One, uh, last week we had uh, Senator Tim Carpenter on and he talked about his great frustration around not being able to actually read the contract. So we had some news this week. The GOP leaders in the Senate and the Assembly uh, both uh, came out saying they agree with Senator Carpenter that it is kind of absurd that the board members would not be able to actually read the contract that they'll be liable for. But anyways, um, they're doing this, however, in an effort to say, maybe try to catch the senator and say that somehow uh, he just wants to try to get use this as a public PR stunt. So interested to get the panel's thoughts on that. The other big news is uh, the Democrats uh, announced this week that Dana Walks will be replacing Peter Barca on the panel, I believe, uh, as a board member. Um, and this, I, I'd like to start, actually, by talking about this and get your thoughts as to does this signal maybe a much sharper tone on WEDEC, on Foxconn and potentially also uh, it's no secret Dana as a gubernatorial candidate that this could become a you know a leading issue uh, in in the gubernatorial election uh, Rebecca
1: Uh, You know, I think it was already going to be a leading issue in the gubernatorial election. Uh, You know, the $3 billion tax giveaway um, to a Taiwanese company in southeast Wisconsin has enraged folks in other parts of our state uh, where we really desperately need investment. Uh, And then for those of us who are are near Southeast Wisconsin um, or or elsewhere, we're enraged from another angle, which is why give so much money to a foreign company and not to schools, to our farms, to creating jobs at companies that are currently struggling in Wisconsin, born and bred. So it was definitely already an issue. Uh, But yeah, Dana Walks is a leading contender for the Democratic nomination for governor. He has been outspoken against Foxconn. Uh, His appointment to this board is very interesting politically.
0: Robert,
2: your thoughts? Well, it's an interesting question for for Dana, for Representative Walks, because he's also running for governor, and so what he does will be seen in that light, and that could cut a number of different directions, Uh, so that's very interesting. He is a trial lawyer, and I agree with uh, the minority leader, Gordon Hintz, that he's well qualified uh, to look at the contract, if in fact he is allowed to look at the contract. Well, you went where
0: my, ne- my next question was going to be about now that we have this contract that all the Republicans agree ought to be looked at by the board members. Well, in principle, <laughs> says, uh, says
2: Assembly Majority Leader Robin Voss. So I apparently well, that means not necessarily, I guess. Uh, but this all goes back. We need to like this is just not one little piece of malfeasance. Remember, conservatives are the folks that said that if you hadn't read every word of statutory language in the Affordable Care Act, that you had no right to have an opinion on it, okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, like any of the Tea Party folks understood a word they were reading when they read statutory language. That's the
0: Robert I was warning
2: you folks about. He's there. But, (laughs) right? And so they created a semi-privatized Economic Development Agency, WEDAC, very early in the Walker administration because it would be more efficient and it would understand the needs of business and job creators, right? And it is, since 2011, still, according to Audit Bureau reports, the evil audit bureau, we can mention that later, uh, it doesn't even uh, require verification that the jobs were actually created. It doesn't even actually uh, ask for the right records. And so now, apparently, the process has been set up. So the conservative movement that thought you had to read Every statutory word in the Affordable Care Act thinks that people voting on this thing don't need to read the contract. That these people, these hirelings hired by WEDEC, which is run by corporate henchmen like CEO Mark Hogan, are just going to decide for us, right? And the flaw that's been brought up by Senator Carpenter, who's under attack for daring to put in public the public's business, Right? Is that apparently there's no protection from we De- from uh, Foxconn uh, just leaving the state and uh, we not be able to claw back any money because it's a foreign corporation, not just a kind of a problem, but we haven't seen this language. The public hasn't seen it. And this is what they're called good government. So what that tells you is they don't give a darn about good government. They worry about they care about power. They didn't want the Affordable Care Act because it expanded health care for folks and expanded the freedom to get health care, and they want this because it's a huge corporate tax giveaway, and more than tax giveaway. It's a direct subsidy.
0: Your your point there, though, this this whole point about, like, reading, are, are you actually paying attention? Uh, first of all, it's important to point out that these Republican leaders, they tried to say, while they want them to read it, somehow they're not able to use this to actually go to the public with it. They said that... Sometimes, however, this would be wrong if people opposed to the project would be willing to go to any extreme... Then, when they actually talk about it, it'd be like having a press conference.
2: You mean the extreme of it's telling what like, <laughs> the, te- the extreme and trying of trying to bash the proposal? The it's extreme like extreme okay, of w- telling the people what's, what's in the proposal yeah. to give away their money. It's, to a giant corporation. Remember, Wisconsin used to be the transparent state where everything was out in the open. Look what look what we've become under this kind of leadership. And what we need to say, and I this is to all the candidates for governor and all the candidates for state legislature. The whole public, cross-ideological, has lost faith in government. It's because of the way these guys are running government. And if we can't lay that at that door, then we are incompetent as a movement.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it is funny. They just say that they can hold a press conference and try to bash the proposal and mischaracterize it. Right? It's just as if they're the only ones who get to frame the debate. Robert, you talked no, about can mischaracterize this. it because they haven't read it because it's not been given to them. <laughs> what do you mean mischaracterize it? <laughs> so, look, this we're going to continue to track this and. Uh, there's been a lot of stories that continue to come out around WEDEC, around Kestrel Air, Airlines. We're going to put some links on our webpage. Uh, Fox News did a, a TV, TV6 Fox News here in Milwaukee did a, an outstanding, very in-depth story about uh, Kestrel Airlines and went to Superior, talked to a lot of folks, the mayor, the guy who owns the place. Um, And by the way, even after the interview, they laid off like 35 more people afterwards, but it really reveals just how bereft of any really serious accountability there is. uh, Just it it is not a
2: mistake. Oh, no. It is the purpose. Yeah, yeah. They think it helps the economy, and this is going to relate to the federal tax thing, to give large giveaways to large corporations. They believe that. They not only hang out in the same country clubs with them, they actually believe that is their view of how to create prosperity. Cut, pay for teachers, cut it for everyone, right? And give the public's money away to large corporations. So of course there shouldn't be accountability because that would be unfair. The great job creators know what to do with the money.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in this line, the other big news this week that came out, uh, again, Fox News, uh, from Tim Carpenter, Tim is coming out talking about how WEDEC is really trying to smear the auditors right. uh, yeah. for, for their reviews and, and 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 suggesting somehow that they have a bias against WEDEC. Um, they have just, a
2: bias against <laughs> WEDEC because they actually <laughs> look at <really> WEDEC's <laughs> procedures. So <laughs> fairness thing. is bias, don't you see? Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No. It, it's interesting. So... Um, the co-chairwoman of the audit, so Carpenter is uh, a co-chairman and the co-chairwoman of the audit committee is a Republican. Uh, her name is Samantha Kirkman. And she had said, you know, the auditor has been nonpartisan, partisan non-political. Uh, but you know what Weedick is doing and what they've kind of done all along is any criticism that they paint as being hyper political criticism.
2: Another way to view this is quite frankly, things like the audit bureau, the let's say fiscal bureau, let's say reference bureau, these are those impartial nonpartisan service bureaus that were developed in the early part of the twentieth century the Wisconsin idea. And they have a reputation nationally for being rigorously nonpartisan and independent. In fact, things like Congressional Budget Office came out of these Wisconsin reforms. So you have fighting Bob lafollette style government, government based on facts, knowledge, experts, looking carefully, versus WeDeck. So what do you expect to happen? Kind of uh, the worst in, in, in corporate kleptocracy and cronyism. And so, of course, they don't like it because they can't just lie about it. It actually says, you don't ask, even ask for the records to prove they created the jobs what is that about? We know what it's about.
1: And this is not the first time that audits by the Bureau have uh, depicted WEDEC as like not doing its due diligence and making oh, sure. Every in, Every time. Time.
0: Just to be clear, every one, right? This this reminds me a little bit of the mining bill we talked about last week. Hey, just show us you can do this once, anywhere, <laughs> without polluting uh, our, our
2: environment.
0: And they can't meet that, right? It's kind of like this way with the audit, but yet the Republicans, and these facts just don't There's been don't consistently
2: matter. false data, not even requiring proof, right? Giving money away to companies that were essentially had no money or about to go bankrupt or were p- parts of Ponzi schemes, right? You had the uh, Badger tickets. That was in f- one of the first audits. In the last audit, you had the $40,000 for chauffeurs because the WeDeck leaders like CEO Hogan, they won't be treated seriously if they're not brought around in limousines. That's my guess, and Right. Well, the
0: good folks at WEDEC, I believe, are on a foreign trip right now with the governor. But with that... It's great.
2: Need... I mean, they're going to make great great. We Israel need to wrap business. it up. <laughs> we need to wrap up. it
0: up. We could go on and on. And I'm sure we'll have, obviously, much more about WEDEC. But we got to get out of here. After the break, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking more about our state politics and talk a little bit about KFOs, And we'll talk talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin We're Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org and we're also very active on Facebook. So we need to talk about another issue that has really come up this week that, you know, if you live in Milwaukee, Madison, or Beloit, or Racine, or Green Bay, you may not be too familiar with, but we've talked about it. Uh, and that is the Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations, or CAFOs. We've had uh, Jeff Smith, our organizer from Western Wisconsin, on a couple times talking about uh, the extraordinary work that's been done by regular citizens fighting these things. And uh, what's important to understand is these uh, CAFOs are massive, uh, large farming operations, uh, usually here in Wisconsin, a significant amount of cows that have just devastating impacts on the water in terms of uh, the potential for water pollution. And why this is a big story this week is Governor Walker is adamant about trying to take the regulatory authority over these factory farms away from the DNR and move it into the state ag department. And this, of course, has people up in arms uh, this was attempted, I believe, in the state budget and rejected. Uh, and Walker appears to be the only one really pushing this. Uh, there are a number of actual Republican legislators who do not want to see this. So uh, this is a big deal, right? Because the DNR, obviously, its primary thing is to, to watch our environment and our natural resources. Where the, the Agricultural Committee is to promote the growth and success of Wisconsin's <laughs> Agricultural Committee. Uh, big problem, I, I would portend.
1: Yeah, and I would actually refine that further. I think uh, the agricultural committee or commission, or w- w- whatever it is, um, <laughs> is is not just to promote our agricultural industry in Wisconsin, but specifically factory farms and industry leaders. Excellent so, refinement. So, which is which is a big change in priorities, right? So we're going from the DNR, where their mission is to protect our water and protect the public, to the to the agricultural committee, whose mission is to protect. You know industry concerns, so the people who will lose are all of us um, in terms of our drinking water in terms of our environment, but also family farms yeah,
0: no, and Robert, uh, you know this is something that a lot of folks have been fighting at the local level, and there 's been some amazing work done organizing in communities against individual farms um, but the, these activists have seen this coming and what do you say to folks out there who've been fighting this, right, and have been doing amazing work, and then you see this, right? You know it's not even popular. Even the, like, the local legislators, Republican legislators, don't like this. But you know, could this legitimately get rammed through, right? I mean, obviously, this is just, it's another issue where sometimes people are feeling beaten down, right? Like, and, and, and that's a difficult thing for us to deal with.
2: Well, it goes back to democracy here because Scott Walker has made the calculation that the campaign cash will be of more value to him than being on the right side of KFOS. And I was trying to see if I could replicate it on my computer screen. Rebecca and I, for the listeners, have our computer screens up, but mine is a tablet, so maybe mobile. But hers has a Scott Walker ad on the side along the right <laughs> next all to over. the KFO article. I don't, so I'm, I'm cheated. Uh, <laughs> but that's What this is paying for, okay? So we also, and by the way, uh, for all of our friends in in rural Wisconsin and all the places across our state, which is most of the state that will be impacted by this, not Brookfield though, where Walker's base is, obviously no CAFOs going into Brookfield, right? Everywhere else. If the public that would be outraged by this, not just the activists, right? will then believe the ads about uh, the great Wisconsin comeback brought on by Walker, paid for by the KFO payoff, then he can get away with it. It's really that simple. It's a test of democracy. The other thing to bear in mind is, and the disclaimer is our Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative Assistance Action has been very involved in the KFO fights up there and delayed at the Cranberry Creek Farm in Dunn County for almost a year. What we learned there, I mean, they knew, I learned, I should say, I think our, our members <laughs> and activists already knew, is that there are virtually no laws on the books to stop a KFO anyway. So let's not pretend the DNR is in a position to do a great job. So the question is, since all the DNR can do is hold hearings and delay, apparently that is too much. Too much, yeah. And so that's why huge pairs make to Walker, because they want the KFOs to come in immediately, which means there could be a KFO in your neighborhood uh, literally dumping the amount that a, that a medium-sized city would dump into into water in the area with no municipal sewage system whatsoever in these rural areas that could happen in lightning speed because apparently uh, the fact that what that it could take a few months is what's concerning these people. They still they can't be stopped right now, and so we should not just be uh, keeping the status quo. We need to put laws on the books to actually protect. Uh, the water of communities from this industrial process uh,
0: look i uh, I started by asking like what do you say to people who are down I, I actually think this is a huge moment. I think Walker's overreaching here. Robert mentioned it he needs unlimited amounts of money for for his upcoming reelection uh, I, I think this is a big opportunity there i as I mentioned there's a lot of Republicans against this. Just listen to what what uh, representative Cowell said he, he's like, look He wasn't interested in bringing up senator, excuse me, Republican senator, and he he is the chair of the the Natural Resources and Energy Committee. He wasn't interested in bringing Walker's provision back as a standalone legislation that no one he talked to was either, right? So, like, you know, we're going to talk a little bit later in this about the Republicans' national tax cut. Similar kind of thing here. Nobody is asking for this. Robert has brought this up numerous times about major Republican initiatives where we look around and we're like, who the hell asked for this, right? Nobody asked for this. And uh, so so it's just a we need some, to fight it's this. It's a handful of somebodies. Yeah, I, uh, and,
2: but none of the nobodies are asking. I, I think people, folks need right? to
0: contact your state reps right now and make sure this, this is an issue. And I think this hopefully could be at least squashed if we could get you know
2: m- more republicans to come out you know vocally against this but ask them to go further and actually regulate kfos and make them prove they're not going to damage pollute the water and uh, drinking water in areas and destroy the aquifers etc cuz they don't have to do that now so don't just say it's great now This just makes it even worse. Well, Robert, I'm glad you mentioned that. This is what
0: I was going to say next, is I, I really think we need to make this an election issue. This is a dynamite issue. It connects to everything else that everyone's fighting in terms of these big special interests that are trying to, you know, corrupt our democracy. And this doesn't add any economic opportunity to anyone. And so, yeah, there ought to be, similar to the mining legislation, something very similar like this, very simple and clear that the public can understand, that we can electoralize next year. And the Democrats, like, I think this is a golden opportunity to get out front on on something that is wildly unpopular in areas
2: Democrats need to do better. I will write the ad right now for free. For all the consultants that are going to make money in the governor's race, and that is just have, uh, have, uh, have people turn on their tap water in their house and have poop come out. Ew. Right? <laughs> Look, Seriously. Yeah. No, I mean, th- this is an issue that I think properly done,
0: right? Like, regular people in, in, in cities will get this, but it's a, it, it is a dynamite issue, I think, uh, folks, and all you activists out there, I think we can make this happen. We want to switch a little bit it's not really a federal issue, but it's a national issue, and that's the Affordable Care Act. Uh, open enrollment is underway. We mentioned this last week that it was about to start, and we went through in great detail the research that Citizen Action released last week, showing you know that Wisconsin we're going to pay more because we have done very little to actually take a lot more <laughs> take, take advantage of things that are available to actually cut costs and to actually be aggressive the way Minnesota has. Uh, But nonetheless, open enrollment is here, and it is half the time that we had last cycle. Uh, Ron Kind was also out this week really publicly going after the administration for sabotage. It's good to see him using that language. We've been certainly talking about sabotage. Let's let Kevin Kane, our healthcare organizer is banging on our studio door. Come on in, Kevin. Kevin, we just started to talk, and last week we went through all in great detail how the rates are gonna go up significantly in Wisconsin versus Minnesota and why. But tell our folks a little bit more about open enrollment, why it's so important. We only got six weeks, right?
3: 45 days up until December 15th. Uh, We really wanna make sure everyone goes and get covered. Yes, there's been a lot of talk about healthcare costs going up or prices going up because of Trump sabotage, but please do not assume that that means that you cannot get coverage. That's right. Go uh, search healthcare.gov. You can go and compare uh, your options even before you have to log in. And if you go to localhelp.healthcare.gov, you can actually put in your zip code and find trained professionals in just about every zip code who can help you understand your options and sign up.
0: Okay, so we know that there's sabotage. We know that there isn't going to be, because uh, we're, we're, we don't have a state exchange, so we're with the federal plan, which cut all the resources. That's why it's super important that our big, vibrant healthcare network talk about this. Share this on Facebook. Get, talk to your neighbors. We need to be more advocates about open enrollment because we don't have real support from the federal government to, to, to get the word out.
3: I feel a bit like a broken record because for the last couple of open enrollments, we've been talking about how this is like a barn raising, right? Like everyone's got to come together and help get everyone covered. And that was back when we still had, you know, a president that wanted to make this law work. And so we want to make sure that uh, now more than ever, you're telling your friends, your family, uh, get signed up. Healthcare is going to look a little different this time.
0: Kevin, can you stay with us for a few minutes? We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Battleground, Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And we are joined by Kevin Kane, our healthcare expert here, although obviously Robert knows a thing or two about healthcare, But Kevin, we were talking uh, about open enrollment and encouraging people that because of the sabotage that's been going on at the federal level, and we are a federal exchange state, we don't have all this money. For getting out the vote. So folks have got to get involved and really organize their networks and make sure people know that we have six weeks and it's time to get signed up.
3: It's going to look a little bit different this year. And there's a bunch of uh, tips and tricks that we would point out. I mean, we're, we're looking at these uh, rates all the time. We're always doing uh, comparisons of how much healthcare costs in places like Green Bay versus Milwaukee and things like that. And so we've learned a little thing or two about uh, how to get covered and what to expect. And what we're seeing is, like in years past, healthcare costs really depend on where you live. I mean, if you're living in Minneapolis, for example, you're going to pay about half as much as somebody in Green Bay. Uh, it can make a huge difference. So state policy matters for sure. It's not just Trump. Uh, but at the same time, while we're trying to push the, the federal Congress, while we're trying to push the state legislature to, to make a difference, what do you do right now? Open enrollments right now. And so, uh, we definitely urge you to sign up, um, 80 plus percent of all Wisconsinites get a tax credit. Uh, so you won't even feel that this, you know, large increases in premium costs. That's really
0: important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people should underscore that maybe even as you're outreaching to people say, Hey, the enrollment's open. Almost everybody who signs up, you know, you you may not absorb the rates, right? Because you will still these subsidies are still mm-hmm. there for you, and that's really fundamentally important because most of those people may not know that they read that rates are up and they think, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to afford this. I'm not even going to go on. Wrong, right?
3: Right, absolutely. And you're seeing double digit rate increases, uh, but again, you may not necessarily see that because the tax credits rise uh, in many cases the same level to make sure that you're not seeing a. Sp- 30 plus percent rate increase on your premium now let's be fair though there are people who will see that and and that is absolutely because of the sabotage that trump did in places like minnesota they're not seeing 50 percent increases in some cases they're actually seeing rates going down which again it's because their state stepped in and tried to make a difference where ours is just uh saying you know uh, the insurance companies have it figured out, let's let them do it. I don't necessarily trust those guys to begin with. But for, for right now, what you should do again, go to healthcare.gov, compare plans, uh, localhelp.healthcare.gov will let you search around. Um, but if you're someone who doesn't qualify for a tax credit, let's say you make um, $60,000 as an individual, or maybe over $100,000 as a family, uh, you may not qualify for a tax credit. You have a couple of different options, um, one of which is uh, silver plans, as they call it, they shot up a whole bunch because of what Trump did. But you might be able to look at what are called off-market plans, which are Affordable Care Act plans. They're compliant. They don't mess with the marketplace. Uh, But you would have to go to, say, a broker to get signed up. So in Milwaukee, we know that they're available. We've seen them in places like Green Bay. They won't be on healthcare.gov, but they only make sense for people who do not qualify for any tax credits whatsoever. Um, And in some places of Wisconsin, it's actually gonna make more sense to look at the gold plan Uh, than the silver one. Because again, this weird byproduct never happened before in in healthcare.gov history, because of what Trump did, is that the silver plans shot up like crazy, but the gold plans not so much. And so if you live in some place like Wausau, or maybe Madison, or uh, a number of places around the state, the gold plan, the plan that has a lower deductible, lower out-of-pocket cost, is actually even going to be cheaper for premiums. And so it won't even make sense to look at the silver at all. But let's say you have a silver plan right now, and 70 plus percent of the state who, people who sign up do, you're going to say, Oh my gosh, I got this letter from my insurer saying my s- rates are going up. First off, you need to shop and you might actually find a better plan at lower cost. Uh, it's a strange byproduct, but you got to look.
0: So, folks, it's really important that you get out there and you encourage people. If you need it yourself, get on, do the research. The Affordable Care Act is great, it's an improvement, but we know we got to push forward. Uh, we have talked on this podcast about the BadgerCare public option. Um, What do you say to folks who are like, I wanna get involved. Because we need to make BadgerCare public option the defi- one of the defining issues in this upcoming uh, upcoming gubernatorial election and all these state legislative races. Where what's the latest on on BadgerCare uh, public option?
3: It's a busy time, I gotta say. I mean, we are trying to push for probably the most easiest, the easiest to explain and best option for what a state could do to rein in and control all these crazy healthcare costs and not be held hostage to insurance companies desires of when they raise rates and where they want to sell. We could have a public option next year that currently uh, works with every hospital in the, in the state works in every single County. And that would be to open Badger care up to just about everybody. Uh, co-op members noticed this. They saw that with a small change in state law, we could make this publicly available to just about everybody. We could sell on healthcare.gov if if our state uh, requested it. Uh, this is an option that could even be available for small businesses too. uh, and so what we're seeing is more and more um, progressives are starting to take a strong position on this. We're seeing that just about every Democratic candidate for governor in Wisconsin has endorsed this idea. Not all, but most. Uh, we'll work on that. We'll work, yeah, exactly. We'll work on uh, that. But again, this is because good ideas identified by people who really want to push to make health care better are infectious. We want to figure out how to make health care more affordable for people. That's our mission as progressives. And so if you want to help, um, here's what I would recommend. Don't assume that every member of the legislature and, and pe- candidates have endorsed this yet. Please ask them and let us know what you hear. Uh, please call and email your members of Congress as well, because this could be fixed at the c- uh, congressional level too. Uh, but also come to our website, healthcare, or, excuse me, I'm saying healthcare.gov again, uh, citizenactionwi.org. You can learn a lot more about how we've shown the public option, this BadgerCare public option, would save more than twenty percent from what you're paying today, let alone what you're paying next year. And you can sign up and get more active.
0: So if you really also want to get involved in this fight at a deep level, I, I would encourage you to join our health care cooperative. And that co-op is helping lead this fight and will be central to moving forward on not only the BadgerCare public option, but um, Kevin, you briefly mentioned at the federal level. Medicare for All. Tammy Baldwin has been a supporter of that, and we think that's critical. She's also a supporter of legislation that would allow states like Wisconsin to do this Badger Care for All or Badger Care Public Option. So, folks, get involved. You can find our co op and our healthcare co op at citizenactionwi.org. Kevin, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for everything you do on educating people around healthcare. So, before we go to break, we want to talk a little bit about. The Republican tax plan, we we believe it's going to be announced today as of Thursday when we record. It's already been delayed. And that's because it's a stinking pile. But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So it's being announced and there's already a poll out that is clearly saying that this thing is not very popular. There are a couple of things I wanted to point out and get our uh, panel's comments. The first is that over... that only a quarter of Americans actually believe passing a tax overhaul, and by the way, a tax overhaul, they ought to just say tax cut, it would probably be lower, uh, think that this should be a priority for Congress. So again, we mentioned this with many other things. Nobody's asking for this. Uh, And the other really important thing, which I think is... You don't think anyone's asking to lower (laughs) corporate tax rates dramatically, Matt? (laughs) Well, Robert, that's a nice segue, because no, apparently not, because nearly 60% of the people don't believe that corporations will use the tax cut money to create jobs, which is the justification, and likewise... Is it really the reason? (laughs) So, look, this is not popular, and their fundamental argument that tax cuts to the wealthy and corporations will create jobs is not believed
2: by 60% of the American public. Well, we live in a democracy, so it won't happen, right? So we can just end the segment, right? All right. Well, with that, no, <laughs> Rebecca. I,
1: I, I do think that this is um, that that is a remarkable poll because what it shows is that the American public, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, do not support the theory of trickle down economics. That, while, as Robert sarcastically, that's says, so unfair <laughs> characterization. <laughs> Um, you know, it, you know, if, if this were a truly small D Democratic process, um, maybe that would have more of a sway in terms of what the president and Congress do. But that is truly remarkable, and I think you know one of the biggest things we've seen, uh, in addition to the public being skeptical of the value of these corporate tax cuts uh, as they've been alleged by the Trump administration and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, there are economists, including right wing economists, who are calling BS on um, yes, the that's claim the that this is of The beauty of this, right, right.
2: They're not. They're telling lies. Uh, yeah, Sarah <laughs> Huckabee news. Sanders is lying. This is breaking news.
0: Yeah, no, but like look Robert. what this is this is so critical because this is like literally their top message, their top selling point for this tax plan. And it's not being bought. It's not even like this is fifty fifty and the America's the undecided.
2: It, the poll has got it all wrong. Uh, Robert, you are in a you special mood. Po- <laughs> you don't poll registered voters to figure out what a legislative outcome is. You, you poll, poll registered lobbyists? You, <laughs> and, and, you po- and you poll campaign contributors. And the, so the methodology is flawed. So I, I'll leave it at that because Look, you're assuming that somehow public opinion has some big impact on what they do.
0: Uh just to be clear, almost over half of Americans in this poll believe taxes should be increased on large corporations. So, that's that's a real problem for them. Not only do they not
2: believe, I know, but that the
0: money will trickle down. They actually believe they should increase. Breitbart thinks
2: that if we say it's all the evil immigrants, then they'll vote. For him, anyway, that's the theory. We need to prove it wrong.
0: Yeah, look, this this tax plan. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this goes, folks. We we need to inform, call our our uh, senators, our uh, Congress reps, whatever you call them these days, Congress members, and make sure that they know you're opposed. This thing is already wildly unpopular. I think this thing can be crushed if uh, if we can get overwhelming public support. Uh,
2: Robert's uh, joking aside. Well, adamant, <laughs> so they know the public will yes. vote them out if they do it. That's the kind of public opposition there needs to be. Not just kick, clicking on a, on a phone on a poll, right? So That's a start, but that's not the whole thing. So with that, we got to get
0: out of here again. We're Citizen Action, and this is the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're also very prominent on Facebook. So with that, though, we, we are going to transition. We had, before the break, been talking some federal issues. We're going to go back to a little blend here, actually. Uh, very important news occurring around sanctuary cities, uh, we record, actually, as we're recording, I believe Voces de la Frontera and the Farmers Union and number of groups and activists supporting immigrants are having a press conference at the Capitol where they are laying out their vehement and strong opposition to a state bill that would essentially get rid of the ability to do sanctuary cities, force police and all of our departments, all of our public workers to become ICE agents. It's horrendous. Uh, and not only are they against this, there's going to be a large protest on Sunday in Waukesha. We'll have the details. And they're saying that this could lead to a statewide general strike. Rebecca, I know this is something that you're you're, you're also following your thoughts.
1: You know, uh, yes, absolutely. And I I think, um, you know, the topic of immigration, if you will, is one of the defining civil rights and human rights struggles. Uh, of our era in the United States. And I think what we're seeing right now um, in Madison with AB 190, which is um, the uh, anti-immigrant bill, what we're seeing in Waukesha and in Milwaukee, where Waukesha Sheriff and Milwaukee's former sheriff applied for the 278G federal program um, and what we're seeing in quick, Texas. Quick yeah. let our
0: listeners know who may not know 278... Oh, sure, Yep. what 278G yep.
1: is. So 278G is a federal program that would provide funding for training to allow local law enforcement officers to be deputized as federal immigration agents. So it would turn our sheriff's deputies, it would turn local police officers into ICE agents. And, and the implications of that Um, on an individual human level are really distressing. Uh, If there is a violent crime being committed against your neighbor, you're going to be hesitant to call the police. What we're seeing right now in Texas, uh, which has become the... um, which is the ACLU is now suing the Trump administration because of this. But what we're seeing in Texas is that a young woman, uh, Rosa Maria Hernandez, a young woman, she's really a girl, 10 years old, has cerebral palsy, was accompanied by her cousin Aurora, 34 years old, U.S. citizen, to go to a children's hospital to receive emergency gallbladder surgery. She was, um, she's being illegally detained. She was, you know, pulled over on the way to the hospital. Uh, immigration agents are now, out, were outside of her hospital door. They sent her to a detention center against the advice of her doctors that she should be with her parents. Um, So, you know, with AB 190, 278G, um, and all these policies, what we're really seeing is the machinery of the state being turned into an apparatus that could uh, provide for mass deportations, could provide for um, the dehumanization of like an entire group of people. This is how it starts. And so 278G may seem ext- abstract, but it's not abstract. And so for folks who live in Waukesha or Milwaukee, um, please call your sheriff, because what we're hearing um, from, from folks is that November 14th, about two weeks from now, is when uh, we will hear whether or not these municipalities have been awarded uh, this special status. And so we have until then for these sheriffs to withdraw their application. So it's about the impact on individual people's lives, but it's also about the impact of changing the entire machinery of the state to allow for you know deportations and the dehumanization of, of an entire group of people that live amongst us.
2: There's like a deeper evil here that we need to call out. So... We need to get beyond the idea that somehow your rights, your fundamental rights, are dependent upon, you know, a legal status granted you by very imperfect government at given time. We need to remember and birth. Right, we got to remember that that uh, a lot of people who are here now they did not come here legally, and we we have this some myth that somehow it was all legal. Every white person who came, as we define white. Uh, the Dred Scott decision, which legalized slavery, said that African Americans weren't included in the Constitution and that there was no right they had that we need to respect, right? And what do we think we happened in the 1930s? It was about deciding that some people didn't deserve human rights, okay? And we know the consequences. So our whole economy was rigged in a way that eliminated opportunity for people in neighboring countries, in, in the whole Western Hemisphere, and which actually advantaged companies that would hire less expensive labor to try to exploit people for people who came here, and then people were here and their families were here, right? So of course you're gonna to wanna to move the rest of the family, right? These are fundamentally human rights. I am telling you, you average Tea Party Trump supporter who wants to scream about the immigrants, that if you were happen to be born Mexican, and there was only economic opportunity on the other side of the border, or most of your family's on their side of the border, you would have come and people would have hired you, okay? And it's all established. These are people who are here and who are part of our community, okay? So to set up this kind of security apparatus that they're setting up and terrorize people, terrorize 10-year-old children with cerebral palsy when they're getting a needed surgical procedure, and to try to forcibly remove them from their families? I mean, Really? This is, there's, you have some right to do that because there's a law in the books, right? Anything, I don't hear the right uh, uh, respecting any law that they think is unjust. Why do they think this is just? And why is it that the far right in this country has prevented us from having any reasonable immigration reform that would create a reasonable path to citizenship for everyone who was here and contributing to our society? It is absolutely outrageous.
1: And I truly believe, I'm glad that you you know drew some historic um, corollaries because I, I truly believe that we are in one of those moments right now. And I think you know for many of us, when we read about um, the horrible scourge of slavery in this country, we read about Jim Crow, uh, and, and, and we also read about the people who fought against them the freedom riders, civil rights activists, the Underground Railroad. We would like to imagine, were we living in those times, we would be one of those people. And this is one of those moments. And so, you know, every day, um, if you can call the sheriff, if you can go to these community meetings, Voces de la Frontera is one of the groups, Citizen Action's also been very involved. Um, There are protests against Governor Walker this weekend, but, you know, every day we need to do everything we can to rage against turning the machinery of the state into a deportation force.
2: And I'm glad you brought up the Underground Railroad, uh, because I'm reading Eric Foner's excellent book on it right now, uh, which I recommend, you know, would you have been on the side of, you're violating the law, there's a Fugitive Slave Act. Mm -hmm. Or there's the original act before 1850 that, uh, that allowed slaveholders to come into free territory and apprehend people, including a whole lot of free blacks where there was no process whatsoever. They were just like, announced they were slaves and they were dragged back into slavery when they were free. Right? So would you have been on the side of, and this is what the right is saying, oh, it's the law. You can't violate the law. They can't escape out of slavery. They're violating the law. Because that's what we're hearing right now from the right, that that's an ethical system. Is conservatism really, modern conservatism in America, really an ethical philosophy at all? I I leave that as a question to our listeners.
0: So I want to challenge our listeners. If you are in anywhere near southeastern Wisconsin on Sunday, that's the Sunday, November 5th. Unfortunately, if you're listening to this on uh, 1510, it will have already occurred at 1 p.m. But if you're listening to our, our show as a podcast, it is at 2001 South Prairie Ave in Waukesha. I really want to encourage people to get out there again this Sunday, November 5th, 1 p.m., 2001 South Prairie Ave, uh, and, and this will be the protest. And, and uh, we want folks to, if you can't make it, please uh, find out more about this. This is going to be a developing situation. And again, uh, this, this, this is all occurring in this broader context at the federal level that's happened, you know, since Trump, but certainly a lot of this was before Trump, right? But Trump has certainly started to move this state in the the way that you're talking about. There's been more that's been going on in this broader context federally as it relates to immigration, Rebecca, that I wanted you to update our listeners on.
1: Sure. Just uh, one quick thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, we saw a really... um you know, outrageous and horrific terrorist attack in New York, actually just a couple blocks from my former office. And, uh, you know, what we saw from the president uh, after that was very different than what we saw from our former President Bush after September 11th. And is like, wildly different from what we saw from President Trump just a couple weeks ago after the Las Vegas shooting. So after the Las Vegas shooting, the message from the White House was, now's not a time to talk about politics or policy, we need to come together as a country. Immediately after the attack in New York, President Trump is like, "We've got to talk about immigration policy. I'm ending this program. I, you know, just really outrageous. I'm sending this person to Guantanamo." This guy should get the death penalty right
0: away. Like it was just, yeah. yeah.
1: Attacking the federal court system is not being a good system, which is what we've seen him do. Um, It's so different. Um, And and again, you know, I'm no fan of former President George W. Bush, but you know, after uh, September 11th, there was a call to come together as a country, um, not vilify one another, to mourn, and that's just like not something we're seeing, um, which is outrageous on so many levels, but particularly because Trump is a New Yorker. But
0: Well, we had, we had talked, actually, Rebecca, many podcasts ago uh, about George W. Bush, right, in, in the Republican Party and his vision of the Republican Party back in 2000 or 1999. It included immigrants, it included an actual plan to try to bring latinos into the republican party he actually made inroads right not huge but there was an effort i'm not saying the policies behind that necessarily but it was a fundamentally sort of different approach of, as to in view of the world and broader narrative that is we have now that allows something like what they could be pulling off in Madison to happen. Um, Unfortunately, we are out of time. This has been a great conversation. We will talk more about this. This will be a developing issue, but we got to get out of here. I want to thank Kevin Kane, who joined us, to enlighten us a little bit on open enrollment, remind folks, get enrolled. And, of course, always want to thank Brian Woodridge, our producer, who helps make the show happen every week. With that, we will see you all next week here at Battleground Wisconsin.